Dark Cast Network, indie pods with a dark side. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. The kind of place we expect a ghost to like to wander around. I'll help you. I'm something of a witch. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I'm your host, JC. With me today, as per usual, is the queen of everything herself, Kiki, and our local cryptid expert, Cord. How you guys doing today? Great. Strangely well-rested. As we're recording this, my little brother will be getting married tomorrow, and I'm excited. Hell yeah. I'm tired and excited. Tired, excited. Yeah. Ex-tired. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, have you guys seen the show Invincible? Oh no. my gosh. No. 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 What little free time that I have right now, I'm spending in the middle of the night playing Resident Evil, but I haven't gotten very far because I have no free time. Fair. Fair. <laughs> I am actually finally catching up and watching The Witcher. Wow. I have not watched like that yet either. Three years old. Yeah. Yeah. Kid. Kid'll do it to you, man. I've not started watching that either. It's only, I think it's only eight episodes, so... I got through Star Trek Discovery. That's what I watched the seasons. Brilliant. Can't wait wait for Pike. Anson Mount is one of my favorite. He plays, uh, well, Captain Pike in Star Trek Discovery. And he'll have his own show. For any of you guys uh, listening now, I will start releasing, hopefully this week, episodes of our Pod of Holding, which will get put into this podcast instead of having two separate ones there's gonna be a couple of interviews one of them being with logan who was on the show and our cord versus cryptid yeah yeah right and then we're gonna have ben coming on i did an interview with ben as well which was really cool because he's the dm for that show that logan's on and after that it's just a whole bunch of our movie reviews so we're gonna be putting that in here those are for fun i'll tell you what um uh, apple music is going to give us a pain in my butt because it asked me if we have third-party content. And I said, yes. And it said, do we have permission to use third-party content? And I said, yes. Honestly, I'm I'm really feeling like I'm going to get some letter from Apple that they took our podcast down because we're using music. And then I'm going to tell them to go fuck off. Spotify only. Sorry. Got him. Can, can only listen to us on Spotify. And you can thank Apple because they're a bunch of dicks. So if we if we suddenly don't show up on Apple anymore, it's because they are making us sign a third party licensing type agreement thing, Rebobber, which um, is not a problem with us being on Anchor. And the reason I chose Anchor is because we're locked in with Spotify and Spotify allows us to play any freaking music we want. Like I could literally play Led Zeppelin on this podcast as long as it's available on Spotify Sick. without permission. Okay, the permission comes from our agreement with Anchor and Spotify, right? Apple wants this special, like, say that I have permission. Well, technically we do, because we here at Mission Spooky absolutely love our guests, musicians. They sign an agreement just saying that it's okay for us to play their music. And in turn, we get to talk about them 
and uh, promote them. So if for some reason this doesn't work out with Apple, if they're going to give us a hard time about it, yeah, we're just going to have to nope out of Apple Podcasts, which sucks because that's about half of our listenership right now. <laughs> Yikes. So, you know, I'm just saying, blame it on Apple. If we become not available on there, if it's because of this, I don't want to give up promoting local bands because of that issue. Hopefully it won't be. Fingers crossed. I honestly am hoping that it comes down to like if if someone said they're playing our music and they didn't have permission, right? Which which we would never do because you know we have I mean, a relation. I would because because we have a relationship with our musician. You know we we talk to them, we promote them, we love them, we love them. So and everyone that's been on the show, we continue to promote. If you check us out on Instagram and Twitter, you'll see that we continue to promote them like straight through. Like they're part of our family. So you know, hopefully it'll be fine. Anyway, normally that'd be in the C section, but I feel like that's pretty important to mention at this point because we've come this far and I would be so mad if I, I'd also be mad if I have to give up this part of the podcast because I, we have a really positive response about the musicians that we have on. So I don't really want to give that up. Like today's musician is going to be awesome. I love these guys, but I'm not going to tell you who it is yet because that's not until later. So yeah, JC, I got some cool news this week. Okay. My boss might have stumbled upon what technically might be a Pennsylvania cryptid. The squonk? No, not the squonk. Oh. He's been geocaching for like decades, like since geocaching like existed. He's been geocaching. And he said this one time, I'm pretty sure he said he was in Reading. He stumbled upon this cave when he was like in the middle of the fucking woods. He ended up going into this cave, and I guess he came in contact with what was literally a wall of what he called this really weird orange bug. Millions of these things all over the wall. And I'm a bug guy, so I was like, what bugs are found in caves in Pennsylvania? He's like, no, it's not that, no, it's not that, no, it's not that. And he went for a quick Google search, and he's like, this is the bug that I saw. It's really strange. It's one of the coolest spiders I think I've ever come across. The spider called the Trogloraptor. What? That's a baller-ass name. Oh, my God. Ah, okay, that's creepy. No, 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 no. It's really strange because it's got, like, it's got, like, hook legs, like a normal insect would instead of a spider spider have like the pads and shit like they're really rare they have trouble doing research on them because i people like scientists think they have an extremely specific diet because they'll take them and put them in the lab and they just won't eat anything that a spider eats so they they think that they have these specific diets they have found one specimen ever that was outside of a cave and it was in the middle of the redwood forest and it was dead. And that's the really bizarre thing about this story is they were like observed in Oregon and like Northern California. And he's like, this is absolutely the fucking insect I saw. And we did some more research and there has been a couple other people that are saying like this spider is in Pennsylvania. We went to a cave. We found all fucked under these spiders. The only other place that it is seen is in Oregon. So technically, I think that makes it a Pennsylvania cryptid because it's not supposed to be here. And there are multiple people that are like, this is definitely here. <laughs> and then I sat and thought, 
is there a huge net of cave systems that fucking go from Oregon to PA? Like, <laughs> that'd be sick. Mm. We just don't fucking know about them. The whole Hellier thing is about cave networks spanning large portions of our country and cryptids essentially using them to transport themselves all over the place. Sure. Yeah. So, I, I mean, this seems kind of plausible. I would hate to think that there are cave systems that go for 3,000 plus miles from PA to far west PA. Even if it's not like a huge cave, like, you know, you don't need a lot of space for a spider yeah. to crawl through and eventually, like, come out on the other side, you know? Yeah, for sure. It doesn't have to be, like a cave for us it could just be like a very small hole but that that's still kind of crazy to me I've literally been thinking about this for like four days now just like this thing is so fucking cool like doing all this research on it because i'm like this thing's not supposed to be here it's a fucking cryptid yo the only bug that i could find the only insect i could find that so basically i need to create a cryptid that's a cave robber spider because by the way, that's what it translates to. Yeah. Which is pretty fucking cool. I like the combination of the word troglodyte and raptor to just make troglodyte. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that's an insanely cool name. It is. It is. And I <laughs> think we should make it a D&D monster. Troglodytes yes. that ride raptors. Oh, oh. But anyway, that's that's the story I want to talk about. <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Story. They're they're badass spiders i mean it's a trap spider so it doesn't like make a web it like hangs from a single strand and hunts but i don't think anybody has ever observed it catching anything it's also extremely like an extremely new species yeah like 2012 yeah it's very very new there's not a lot that's known about it uh we have a promo today from canadian spirit Kelly's the host over there. Kelly went on a rant. This one, I I just, I don't even know how I got to this podcast. It's, it's kind of funny how this happens for those of us in the paranormal circles, but it, it popped up and I listened to it and it, it made me laugh because he went on this very polite rant. <laughs> it started out polite. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a Canadian stereotype, but it's really funny. <laughs> But he goes on this rant about QAnon, and I was like, uh, I love you, Kelly. <laughs> I'm going to listen to everything. I downloaded everything that they had done up to that point. I was like, I'm listening to all of it. That's great. <laughs> you don't have to apologize, Kelly. <laughs> Not a bit. We're good. <laughs> so listen to that promo and then go follow them. And please go listen to Canadian Spirit. Yeah, Spirit actually is Supernatural Paranormal Investigations and Research Institute. And now I have to pee. Wow. Oh my god. It's good. It's a good thing we're in a commercial break. <laughs> but when we get back, <laughs> Kiki will have emptied her bladder. Well, part of this recording was not commercial break so far. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like none of it. This is a this is a walking disaster. This podcast. We just want to like, do over. anything yet. We haven't even. I know. How the we... subject of the episode. <laughs> that comes now. <laughs> so let me right now. After well, you he listen... has to go to the bathroom. Just hold on. After you listen to this wonderful promo from Canadian Spirit, we'll be right back, and we are going to be talking about our first part of again i say multi-part episodes on all kinds of cursed objects today is killer clothing and cursed clothing yeah. noise yeah
Hey guys, I'm Darcy, founder of Spirit. And I'm Kelly, the chief technical officer of Spirit. Back in 2011, we formed the Supernatural Paranormal Investigations and Research Institute, searching for answers to mysterious things that were happening in our little corner of Canada. And we haven't stopped searching for those answers ever since. Join us on our podcast, Canadian Spirit, as we dive into all of Canada's most famous and forgotten paranormal mysteries. Examine the evidence and try to figure out what might be behind Canada's ghosts, cryptids, and UFO encounters. In Canadian Spirit, you'll get a peek behind the curtain and see for yourself what being a paranormal investigator is really like and learn something about Canadian history, which isn't as boring as it sounds. Even if it is, we're a pair of chuckle fucks, so we'll do our best to make it entertaining. So come along for the ride and discover for yourself what makes the land of maple and hockey so wonderfully weird. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, you know, wherever you find your podcasts. And remember, raccoons are aliens, werewolves are perverts, and ghosts are just downright rude sometimes. Welcome back from that commercial break, guys. Hope you're excited to hear about some killer fashion. (laughs) So bad. Look, I made it up on the spot. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) You're lucky I'm not doing like Zoolander references. I'm surprised she didn't go. Please do Zoolander references. I'm (laughs) I'm surprised she didn't do the dead is the new black this year. (laughs) No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I got the black lung, Daddy. <laughs> Fucking uh, Zoolander. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what an amazing movie. It, it it actually is. Yeah, I know. I love that movie. Let's give a 30-minute review of the movie. No, Zoolander. I don't want to do it. No. <laughs> no, no. If that's what we're doing, I'm leaving. Huh? <laughs> Cold steel. <laughs> was that what it was? The look? Yeah, blue steel. Blue steel. Sorry, that's right. Blue steel. Uh, did I tell you? I, yeah, I probably did by now. What? I went to school with Christine Taylor, his wife. Cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we went to high school together. Do you do you think like she could get me a job doing something that's not this? No. <laughs> when I say I, not this, I don't mean Mission Spooky. I mean retail. I got you. Anyway, killer clothes. I know. We keep getting off topic. This is what happens when we're locked up for too long and we don't talk to anyone. Yeah. Speaking for myself. Anyway, um, (laughs) so there's been a lot of actual killer clothing over the years, as in, you know, things made specifically that um, turn out to be quite deadly. I think probably one of the most famous ones is the scarf incident that happened to a very famous dancer named Isadora Duncan. It was the fall of 1927. She had on her famous red scarf which uh apparently rumor had it she started wearing because she was a communist (laughs) she went for a drive in her convertible and apparently the scarf got blown backward through the breeze i guess it was very long massively long scarf it gets caught in the back wheel and tears her head off whoa wowzers i actually think the um the isadora duncan story is uh not completely true (laughs) you know i mean i I feel like a fabric would rip before your head like that's that's my i'm not a scientist it depends on the fabric my man that's fair that's fair there's a precedence for someone being around machinery most of my life now 
Like, right. you're not allowed to wear certain things in the factory nope. because you will get shoved into the machine. That's fair. If it's like a sheer scarf or something, it'll probably disintegrate just from being in the wind. If you got if you got a sturdier cloth, that could uh, really mess you up. <laughs> What's really funny is like the, a lot of these things are a little just slightly overdone, right? So everything is true about the story except for her head actually doesn't pop off. She got flung backward over the top, like it was a small convertible car. This was in Paris, by the way, in 1927. And she gets flung backward from the vehicle into the street and died instantly. Head intact. That makes a little more sense. So her, her neck didn't rip. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Like neck broken, head still intact. Yeah, I've had, a, I've had to go through and debunk a lot of these, unfortunately. But they're still fun. Like the legend part of it is is kind of fun. The other one, this is very interesting. And, and I bet a lot of people who are into fashion will recognize this is called the muslin disease. So during post-revolutionary war in France, there's this drift away from having huge wigs and huge ball gowns and all the extravagance of like Marie Antoinette, for example. All of that is like, no, we're going back to something a little bit more simple. So they start making these lovely muslin gowns. Now, the legend is that in order for the dress to cling even more to a woman's body because this was all about it was about body positivity and women ew shut up uh, <laughs> they, they they would apparently put water on this muslin gown and it was okay during the summer but the french winter of 1803 was particularly terrible i believe i found one source for this and i couldn't find anything else about it but apparently Napoleon had some kind of thing going on about using wood for fire. They're trying to conserve wood. So it was just a really cold winter. And then plus there wasn't a lot, a lot of wood to go around. Mm. So then you're, you're wearing these muslin gowns, which are very thin as it is. And if you're into wetting them, well, you catch pneumonia like super fast. Only problem is there's absolutely zero historical evidence that women actually purposely wetted their muslin gown at all like zero do you think that the historical evidence probably just like dried up ah <laughs> that's kind of funny <sighs> that's good that was that was pretty damn good Thanks. i'm proud of you jc proud of you i have pay attention but when i do <laughs> i got some funny quips up my sleeves <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was it? it all dried up yeah okay um <laughs> Yeah, in closing, that that is basically looked at now, historically speaking, that it was just a really, really shitty winter. And a lot of people had traded in some of their fancy, heavier clothing for this new line, and it was just not warm enough. So there was a lot of people in general who died during that winter of 1803. It had nothing to do necessarily with the muslin gown, just it was very fucking cold and there was no wood. Um. Oh, wigs. Huh. Let's talk about wigs for just a moment complete fire hazard like you know <laughs> you would just you would just walk around and you know catch fire and that'd be the end i think i know where this conversation is going but go on <laughs> that's, that's that's the thing so between wigs and crinoline skirts you know I, I i'd heard about both of these things a lot but the crinoline skirt was kind of interesting because you always see these like the southern bells really big you know, hoop skirts they would call them down there crin did not know this crin is uh, a word meaning the horsehair part of it it was made of horsehair and metal 
And pretty much during that time period when this was in high fashion, every single fucking fabric that anybody wore was a fire hazard. So if you match that with this giant skirt that you have absolutely no control over, which was another problem, all it took was a wind gust. Again, a lot of this is legendary. Couldn't actually find any historical backup for it. But in my head, I was seeing it happen and I was kind of laughing to myself. A gust of wind would like blow a woman right off of a pier into the ocean. Too much of a gust of wind and you're near a cliff and you're just whoop, just gone over you know, <laughs> cliff. Oh, jeez. If she gets blown into the ocean, it's no longer a fire hazard, right? Right, right. Now she just drowns. Yeah. <laughs> but no longer a fire hazard. <laughs> There's a whole other mess of problems. Sounds yeah. to me like problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, women falling over in the streets and getting hit by horse and buggy and now one of the numbers that floats out there a lot is that there were over 3,000 women or cases that someone had gone through newspaper articles from the time period and that there were over 3,000 cases of women catching fire because of crinoline skirts alone. Forget wow. the wigs. Just the crinoline skirts alone would kill you because everything that you're wearing is flammable and you're wearing a giant thing that you have no control over. So you're walking around. You get this between either being too close to a fireplace or gaslights also was a problem and you'd catch on fire and you'd go up so fast that like your friend would maybe try to help you but she's also wearing <laughs> flammable everything so she catches on fire and it just goes all over an entire an entire party could like catch fire within like two minutes is for some reason in my head right now that's comical but not um <laughs> not and that's not funny but apparently florence florence nightingale had done research on this as well and came up with a number that was closer to 700 like actual real cases of women getting set on fire because of crinoline skirts i would say that's still like 700 too many oh yeah oh fuck yeah the basic idea here is that like, clothes can kill people you had some other really weird ass fashion uh, a hobble skirt you could barely move in it it was very tight around your ankles and it was supposed to make it so that women could like walk very daintily right because you know god forbid. instead did it make them hobble yes nice at least one account historically speaking is out there where a woman was walking on the street and a horse and carriage the horses kind of went nuts for a minute got really spooked and she tried to get out of the way, but she's wearing one of these hobble skirts and she couldn't run because you, you can't. Your, your legs are bound, basically, in this stupid thing. Look it up. It's a really weird looking fashion. And you've probably seen it at some point, even in a cartoon somewhere. One of these like old fashioned ladies with this like really tight. Oh, uh, yeah. That yes. sounds yes. terrible. That looks terrible. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. You literally can't run. But to be fair, makes them booties look nice. <laughs> That's Just what saying. it was all about. That's exactly what it was about. Now we have leggings back then. <laughs> Hobble skirts. High heels have a reputation of getting people killed. And um, in just in closing on the whole clothing in general being deadly, the Radium Girls. I thought about doing an episode on the Radium Girls, but honestly, there's a whole movie about this now. You could just go watch that. Yeah, it's 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 pretty awful pretty awful it took it took those women a really long time to sue the proper people and have some kind of restitution but they all died of uh radium poisoning wow yeah Ooh. i'm reading about this now yeah for it's... watches Ew. yes who yes. even wears watches <laughs> right i Time hate things around my wrist except handcuffs 
Oh my god. Yeah, don't look don't look at the pictures right now. It's it's gonna freak you the fuck out. Too late. No, you know yeah. I'm going to do that specifically now. R- right this moment. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's not right. Everybody, all of our listeners just Wowzers. Look it up. I believe it's Netflix. So you can go watch that. Yeah, they people are just fucking crazy. It was a fad. Radium was a fad, just like anything else you that we have out now. There's now everything is quantum medicine, which is like total bullshit. Sorry if you believe it. It is what it is. Most of the time, you wind up hurting yourself more than not hurting yourself. And in this case, anything that was irradiated was was seen as medically fantastic for you because they had no idea what it actually did. So they would uh, use it in watches. It was used in makeup. There were women even who would like put it on their faces and their eyes and stuff so that they could like light up literally a room. Yeah, except that you're irradiating your goddamn self. So, but these girls, this was in a situation where they were making watches and they had to get really fine tip point on their brushes or their paintbrush. So they would stick it in paint that had the radium in it. And then they would lick it. And they're doing this over and over and over again all day. Now, I understand as an artist, I've done this myself. Like just, oh, lick the tip of the brush. But but my brushes are clean. It also doesn't have radium in it, you know? So, <sighs> like if I want a, a fine point, you know, just because you can get it with your tongue just, just right. So I understand the concept of what they were attempting to do. But then that's your job. And you're doing that every day for eight hours a day. Whoa, 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 whoa. This was in the 1920s. Those bitches were working 12-hour shifts. Probably, but anyway, I'm just <laughs> Weren't saying. labor laws. I'm, ru- yeah. I'm saying roughly eight hours a day of irradiating yourself every single day. Sure. Gross. Yeah, they wound up suing uh, the company, and they, they won, but it took them a very, very fucking long time. And by that time, half of them were already dead. Yeah. More money for the other half, then. <laughs> no, that's not cool. Yeah, Look, silver half, lining. The other half was probably... Uh, not well off either. No, no, oh, no. They all they all died. They all eventually yeah. died from it. It's just terrible. Well, I mean, everyone eventually dies. But yeah. <laughs> Thank no, no, you, JC. From it, Thank I said. So from it. From it. They <laughs> died from the radium poisoning. <laughs> uh, I'm just anyway. trying to be positive. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for your positivity. <laughs> You're literally the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, Cord. Yes. Tell us about the haunted wedding dress. Yes. Of the real Miss Havisham. Miss who? Miss Havisham from Great Expectations. Charles uh, Dickens. Okay. Am I the only person that reads books? No. I don't know I'm... how to read. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Jason I'm currently cool. halfway through Moby Dick. So no, you're not the Oh, only. good for you. That's a good. You got to read that. It's like the third time I'm reading it. I love that book. Again. Lord, I want you to stop <laughs> reading it right now. <laughs> so you I might, read now that, that I've I'm been done. accosted. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So Miss Havisham, in case anybody doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about, she's the rich old woman that got abandoned by her groom on the night of her wedding. And basically time has stopped in her head. Yeah. So this is basically a real life version of that. Yes. Ann Baker, right? Anna Baker? Anna Baker from Altoona, Pennsylvania. That's the most Texas-sounding 
uh, city in Pennsylvania, BT Dubs. I like the word tuna, so I like mm-hmm. saying Al Tuna. Anyway, <laughs> Anna Baker's father, Elias Baker, was allegedly a very rich man because he has a flipping mansion that's still around. It's a museum now. And his daughter fell in love with somebody, and he did not approve of the marriage in any way, shape, or form. And why, why didn't he? I believe it was because the man was very poor, but I've only really read one article that said that. So He was a factory worker. Yes. He didn't have a lot of money, so the father did not approve of the, the marriage in any way. They planned the wedding anyway to the point where they got the dress. <laughs> and I guess the dad kiboshed that pretty uh pretty hard said no 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 again only read one article that said this but apparently he bought the place of work that the dude worked at and shut it down just so the guy had to leave town yeah essentially after that she was obviously angry with her father and swore to never marry she became a recluse to some extent she would not see any People that her father would bring around denied, no, no, you, you my dad likes you, so I don't like you. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so eventually she died, and this wedding dress was still around. Apparently, she haunts the wedding dress. People have claimed to see it shake or jostle around as if it's trying to dance, which they claimed she would dance by herself in the dress at night. So people have claimed that they have witnessed it attempting to dance by itself. And it gives people visions of ghost women walking around. Allegedly, they had to cover it with a special cloth so that people could not see the ghosts that were essentially constantly around this dress, which is Super cool to me. That's pretty much it. Nothing really harmful came out of this dress. It didn't necessarily kill anybody that I'm aware of. Yeah, the dad was like a complete and utter asshole. This is another one of these lovely stories about, you know, men who insisted during this time period that their daughters were only good for marrying off, especially if they were beautiful like she was, right? They're like, oh, but you could marry... A high-ranking military officer or a prince or maybe a, a senator or, you know. Or somebody with a butt-ton of money. Like all those people that I just said, yeah. <laughs> well, just in general. <laughs> yeah, but this this is the time you can still be a countess or a duchess. It's still like a really big deal. Yeah. So, uh, so she, but she falls in love with this poor guy. And the dad, now the one that I read didn't really say anything about him buying the factory. But he definitely got him fired. He also used his influence with the politicians and the local police to get him removed from Pennsylvania, threatening to throw him in jail or possibly even murder him. That's how pissed off he was. And so there's no record of what happened to him. He obviously just moved on with his life, married someone else, but it was like in her head as if time just stopped. Well, we don't know for sure if he married Maybe there's a haunted no, groom's tuxedo out there somewhere. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Yeah, and the article that I read, I couldn't find a date on mine, but it, according to this, it says that it is on display, but it's in a glass case so that you can't, it's like hermetically uh, sealed, so it can't deteriorate anymore. Yeah. But or it's at least a museum. Reduce the deterioration. And then the legend has it that, yes, she did become a spinster, like you were saying, like she didn't marry anybody, but the legendary part of it is that, you know, she outlived everybody in her family and 1914 when she passes away on this rainy day that the servants found her with the wedding dress in her hands on her deathbed this again like kind of speaks to the whole we always talk about places that get abandoned that have a a weird vibe to them this place was abandoned for a while uh it wasn't until the the county was able to purchase it and then decided to turn it into a museum And it was redone on the inside in the same Victorian fashion that it would have been when it was built. So it's kind of creepy to think that like nobody was in there for a while. Was her ghost like still hanging out in there? Because and everything's still there, but just untouched for the same as it was in her own head. You know, I don't know. I I like that story. I think it's really cool. Hey, let's talk about the uh, Wampanoag historic wampum belt that also has some kind of weird spookiness around it. I will say I deeply enjoy the name Wampum Belt because it, <laughs> it it seems like someone something that you would like bop someone on the head with. <laughs> yes. it's, not, it's not at all what it is. Womp. Wampum Belt. I gave him a good old belt. Wampum. I looked at pictures. Their Wampum Belt's pretty cool. Ah, uh, so this one comes with a history lesson. Everybody knows how much Kiki loves uh, to talk about. One history. moment. I'm gonna go to sleep. Wow. This one's a good one though. Is it? Okay, I'll be the judge of that. Okay, it's it, it's actually a very short history lesson. Thank just God. to catch everybody up on understanding what the hell this actually means to people. When colonists first started to explore the area south and west of the Plymouth colony, instead of a thriving Wampanoag native community, they found a whole bunch of skulls and bones of the dead. And that was because of the smallpox invasion brought to New England in 1617 by Captain John Smith. Oops. Yeah, a peace treaty between the Wampanoag tribe that remained and the Plymouth colony was subsequently forged and lasted roughly 40 years. Of course, during those 40 years, the native peoples were getting completely screwed over by lies and misconceptions because they didn't understand what they were getting into. For example, the deed to Bridgewater, signed in 1649 by Massa the chief Um, He thought that he was simply granting permission for colonists to use fertile land in the area, but instead he'd actually sold them 70 square miles of native land for $35 in today's money. Oh, wow. Yeah, but still, relations remained peaceful even after this until Massasoit's death. His son, however, this is where like a little tiny bit of confusion comes in if you're trying to read this, uh, Medicom is his son but he goes by king philip he becomes the chief and he decides that he has had enough and it's time for the lying colonists to pay i like the quote here about it says the course of events that followed would be the most brutal inhumane horrific war ever to be fought on american soil that a movie couldn't possibly do this justice it's like heads on spikes mutilations body chopping people hung in trees you know with their entrails out i mean you know it's just it's just the worst because the native americans had had enough and they kept getting taken advantage of constantly and i understand their pain and and um 
course, killing is never the answer, but <laughs> I understand. I understand. Okay. Um, what you're saying is Phil wasn't playing games no more. No, Phil was not playing games no more. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> fortunately, even after the brutality, he loses. Ah, oops. All of his belongings are taken by a Captain Benjamin Church in Rehoboth, uh, Massachusetts. And these belongings include six feet of beads. And it's basically the wampum belt. It's nine inches long. It was made with black and white beads and had various figures with flowers and also birds and beasts. So this is a very sacred royal wampum belt. And therefore, it was believed to be very powerful. So Church thinks that he's like the shit because he's coming in, having gotten rid of Philip and also taking his very sacred and powerful object. Oh, technically, this stuff is taken from a chief, Anawan. Anawan says that uh, Philip gave him everything on, his, on Philip's death, right? So Church basically says, well, Anawan just passed these, you know, things down, right? From chief to chief. And therefore, they're mine. Everybody thinks that's a load of shit. They're not really sure how Church got a hold of this stuff. But people saw it. People knew that he had it. He had it for at least nine months, but no one knows exactly where he kept it. It's possible that he kept it at a private residence. But in 1677, the belt supposedly travels all the way back to the King of England at the time. However, England claims that they never received any of the stuff. So in the 1990s, a member of the Rehoboth Historical Society writes a letter to Prince Charles and asks, basically, England, can you please research your archives and museums for this missing wampum belt? It's been a long time. We'd really like to have it back. You know, England does help out as much as they possibly can. They search through everything, can't find it. It is gone. Here's the thing, though. People will continue to say that this missing belt and possibly a curse associated with it is why we have so many issues in the Bridgewater Triangle. I do remember when you said Bridgewater, I'm like, I kind of know this story. Yep. Interesting. Yep. And to clarify, it has been 350 years since that belt has gone missing. And to this day, no one knows what happened to it after. What, what year was it sent to the King of England? It was 1677. That would be William the Third of England. Oh, gee, thanks for looking that up. You're welcome. William Glad III. I could help. Yeah, William Three. <laughs> William the Third, but he claimed that he never received anything. It has been remade in commemoration of the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower Voyage. This was last year, last November. So there was sort of a recreating of what it could possibly have looked like with the black and white beads. It's really really lovely there's some pictures of it in um in news articles about the 400th anniversary and then it was recreated by wampanoag native people so that was pretty cool i mean you can kind of look at that and get sort of an idea of what it would have looked like but it is gone Oof. so because that belt's missing bridgewater triangle super haunted is basically like the story right yeah Spooky, because Bridgewater Triangle super haunted, guys. We'll have to do like a three-part episode on Bridgewater Triangle, possibly. Maybe a seven-part. <laughs> but Jeez. you know what? F it. Let's do twenty-seven parts. There's so there's so many things that go on there. A lot of mental issues. Well, isn't there like a mental health facility like right fucking there? 
or a prison, one of the two. <laughs> it's like, well, but like back in the 60s where it was essentially right. the same thing. I was going to say back in the day, it was the same goddamn thing. Yeah. So some people, they attribute the Bridgewater Triangle itself to those mental issues as far as like the depression and the suicides and everything else. I don't know about that. I'm just kind of mentioning it because it's a thing. But yeah, there's a lot of other weird shit that goes on there, too. Like Bigfoots and UFOs and ghosts and shadows. Definitely a convergence area. You know, we talked in one of our bonus episodes, I think it was the Texas one, where we talked a lot about how Native peoples would you know, curse whole places because, you know, fuck white people. To be fair, fuck white people. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm saying fuck white people. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to yeah. Mission Spooky, where we're all white, but <laughs> fuck white people. Get it? Like, fuck them. We understand. <laughs> we're with <Ooh>. you. <laughs> wow. By this time, I will have released our little PSA on the word spooky, and it's it, it's the is it racist or not? Wait, what? Yeah, I, I'm not. Oh gonna, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to rehash it here because I've already done a little PSA that I'll I've already dropped yesterday for you guys. So I did some homework and and actually pointed you in the direction of a, a great African American podcast we've talked about before, One Mic Podcast. So uh, yeah, we're totally like. We're black. Black lives matter, and fuck white people. Okay, because they need to, they need to understand this. This is all. This is why we can't have nice things. This is why places are cursed because of all the terrible things that we did to Native Americans. So, so let's go there first. We'll start with them, <laughs> and then we'll go to the black folks. Which, by the way, the next thing we're going to talk about is the conjured chest that has <laughs> a story <laughs> about yeah. a slave who made the chest. And then got murdered by the man who he made it for. <laughs> so, like, did he do a bad job on the chat? Like, why? No. Why? Chest looks pretty cool. It's gorgeous. The guy said he fucking hated the chest, though. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I just, I don't understand. But anyway, this is cool. It does have a little bit of roots here in Pennsylvania. So, I read the book. There's a book called The Conjure Chest A Cursed Family in Old Kentucky. And it is written by Beverly Maine Keenzel, who's the daughter of Virginia Carey Hudson Maine, who wrote a, a letter, basically, for the family explaining this chest and its origins, possible origins anyway, because this was basically a family legend that Beverly winds up diving into and finding out that a lot of it was true and even more creepy that she was able to link these deaths directly to people who had the chest in their house. Yeah, it's cute. It's it's like, well, it's cute. I say it's cute because it's, it's only 43 pages long. It's cute. I bought I bought the book. It's like a cute book. because It's like little. It's 43 pages long with the addendum of her research and I bought it on Amazon for Kindle for like $2.99. So if you want to read it, I'm not going to get into all the logistics of it because I would like you guys to go purchase the book. She deserves it. She did all the damn legwork here. But we're putting it into cursed clothing because anytime somebody put their clothes in the chest, they died. This is crazy. So the, the legend part of it is that... There's a man named Jeremiah Graham, and he's making preparations for his firstborn kid. He wants to have this chest hand-carved. So he finds this enslaved man named Remus, and after Remus creates this 
beautiful chest. Jeremiah is not happy with it, and he beats him to death. Because, you know, that's what you do. Yep. Oh, boy. So in order to avenge the death of Remus, the other enslaved African-Americans sprinkled dried owl's blood inside the drawers and put a curse on it. The chest is then still owned by Jeremiah. He puts it into his child's nursery, and then tragedy just occurs to anyone who winds up putting their clothing in the chest. And 16 people in total are believed to have died by using the chest. Oops. Yeah. So Beverly did her homework on the actual legend. In her book, she does come across a Jeremiah Graham that might possibly be the slave owner and the person who commissioned it. She can't say for 100% sure, but she does find someone who fits in the timeline and in the area, which is like amazing in itself. But there was several Jeremiah Grahams, but she goes through in the addendum to the book. She has the list of all of them. You can see like why the one that she picked actually fits in and had a infant child who died mm -hmm. remus as the slave name is sort of one of those common names like moses and of course un unfortunately and some of you guys may know this may not but slaves were not allowed to have their actual names they had to be named by their master so you have a lot of repeat names and it becomes a little bit difficult to track down the actual slave. And as we just went over in the last episode, it wasn't until what, seven, did I say 1790 census that slave names were even in the census because they weren't considered, you know, human beings. So fuck white people. Um, anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, that beginning of the story is always going to kind of be a legend because we can't say for sure, you know. Sure. However, Jeremiah Graham's child for whom the chest is made, does die in infancy. She was able to find someone who fit the bill. Jeremiah's twin brother, Jonathan, he had a son. Those sons' clothes were placed in the chest, and he was stabbed to death by his uh, servant on his 21st birthday. Oops. Yeah, oops. oops. Jeremiah and Jonathan's sister-in-law, Amanda Winchell Graham, the wife of a Moses Graham, put the chest in the attic. They were like, screw this, right? There's already some bad juju with it. Then there was a man named John Ryan, who was a recent immigrant from Ireland. He married Catherine Winchell. Amanda Winchell Graham had arranged for them to live on land belonging to the Grahams, gave them the chest, which they both used. They wound up being just poor. And John, he plans to go to New Orleans to find work, kind of like go ahead of her. And he winds up getting killed in an accident. Then Catherine Winchell Ryan herself dies. Then the child of Eliza Ryan, they wind up dying at age 10. So some of this, I feel like, okay, well, how long did it take them to put the stuff in the chest? Like, I know that's a really young age to die at, but, um, you know, was it other causes? You got to ask yourself that question. There's a Stella Stone Cipher who put her wedding clothes in the chest. She died within two years of the wedding. As I'm going down the list, I get this feeling like it's not just about dying immediately. It is also about like there's some time in between, but not very long. And then there's some times when it's like no time at all. It just happens. So to me, it's more like misfortune, dying too young, having an accident. You know, it is very odd, especially yeah. since it's all around the damn chest. If I may, Kiki. Yeah, go ahead. If I may. Most humans have died without interacting with the chest. I think that's more odd. That doesn't even make any sense, Jason. Yes, it does. Most people have never interacted with the chest and still die. 
I'm saying it's like, what if those people were going to die regardless of interacting with the chest? I think I just said that. <laughs> Did yeah. I not just say that? <laughs> well, it's just, it's weird. I don't know. I don't like these things. I mean, I'm saying it's, it's interesting because it's specifically in either in the family or it's been passed down to other people. And then those people have had crazy misfortune, right? So whether it's a chest or not, who knows, but we're looking at it as an investigation, right? So when I get to like, I'm down to number 10, and that's a lot of people who died in weird circumstances so far, or just died way earlier, maybe. When she was a child, she remembers her own mother telling her the chest was in their house for a while. Don't touch the chest. Don't put anything in it. Don't even open the top two drawers. So let's just say at this point that even if the chest itself is not quote-unquote haunted perhaps all of this is happening because psychologically the people around it believe that the chest is going to cause problems who knows right because i was i was going to ask this whole time is this like legend moving the chest because if that's the case why didn't they just get rid of it (laughs) well that's gonna be my big question interesting right so hold on let's 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 go to where was I? And it was at number 10. Like I said, it's not only death, but people would have like just bad stuff happen to them. So this woman, Nellie Gregory, she winds up putting her wedding clothes in, in the chest and then her husband left her just like up and deserted her one day. Eliza Gregory's husband, John David, died in 1908. Eliza rearranged her house and moved the chest into her room. Eliza took her own life and died in 1915. Then the chest moves to Louisville with Eliza and John David granddaughter Virginia Carrie Hudson and that's where it starts picking up with the more current timeline that the woman who wrote the book like she remembers all of these stories being told to her and they're like 100% part of the family. Virginia put her first child's baby clothes in the chest and the child is born premature and dies on the same day. Virginia and currently cleveland have two daughters the second being Anne. Anne's clothing is placed in the chest and Anne is struck with polio she recovered but she had those polio symptoms for the rest of her life obviously virginia and Kurtley's older daughter is virginia hudson cleveland she put her wedding clothes in the chest and um her husband wilbur winds up getting rushed to the hospital for an appendectomy and he dies in 1944 less than a year after they're married and that was an accident. It was actually an overdose of ether, like in the hospital. So that was a hospital accident. Their neighbor, Sonny Moore Jr., puts his hunting clothes in the chest. He is killed in a gun accident at the home of a neighbor. Virginia and Kurtley's son, Richard, put his clothes in the chest. And less than a week later, he's stabbed through the hand at school. So he didn't die, but he, you know, he got injured. Oh, I forgot. Her cousin, who had his clothes in the chest, he fell off of a 30-foot trestle when he was trying to get off a train and died. Jesus. That's the first person that she remembers, like, in her family, in the book, with her mom telling her the story. And then, of course, Virginia didn't want the chest anymore after that. <laughs> she got rid of it. Uh, yeah. Finally. Finally. Yeah. Now, what's really interesting is that Virginia didn't want anyone else getting hurt, right? So she's like, we need to do something about this. Well, she tells Sally, who's a maid, African-American, who had worked for, with her her entire life, and... Sally says that this is what's called a a conjure, that if it's true that this slave had made the chest and was beat to death, there's a very good possibility that the fam- his family or his friends cursed the chest. Now, I'm not 100% certain because there's nothing on it. I'm wondering 
anybody out there, you can always email me at, or let us know through Instagram. Is this, would this be hoodoo? I'm not really sure how that works. But Sally, she attempts to break the curse for the chest. But she tells Virginia that one of them will die before the lilac leaves fall off the bush. What's interesting is both women had did have medical issues up to this point because they were older. But it is Sally who dies the following September after attempting to remove the curse. And to this day, there are owl feathers that remain in the top drawer to keep the curse at bay. So now the legend is that Sally gave her own life to break the curse of African-American ancestors that were very angry. And rightly so. Yeah. Needless to say, interesting story. And some of the family lived here in Pennsylvania and moved down to Kentucky. The chest is actually in a museum. The Kentucky Historical Society has it. Beverly got invited onto Zach Baggins had the show where he started taking stuff to, to Las Vegas. He winds up arranging for the chest to be at his location and asked Beverly to come out to Las Vegas to be on his show and reveal the chest to her. Now, she hasn't seen it in like, I don't know, 30, 40 years. Um, but she agreed to it. She knew that he was going to show her the chest after she hadn't seen it for so long. So that's out there, too, if anybody wants to watch that. So, JC, we got to go to Kentucky and take those out feathers out and put your clothes in there. <laughs> yes. Just to test it. It's for science. For science. So there again lies the issue of, do you climb the tree? For science. When everybody tells you not to because there's a curse in the tree, do you put your clothes in the chest to test the theory? For science. I don't think JC could climb the tree, but he can put his clothes in a mm. dresser yeah true also i could definitely climb a tree fuck you for that negativity <laughs> i'm not crying right now you're crying oh, i'm just saying i'm just <laughs> saying i've known you for a very long time and we've spent a lot of time in the woods where we had every opportunity to get up into a tree, and I've never seen you get up into one of them their big tall boys. Have so. any of those big tall boys been supposedly cursed and had like a fence around it to keep people from climbing on it? No. If that situation... <laughs> what you're saying is if you're hindered more by it, you're going to actually climb it? I doubt it. Yeah, I had no reason to climb those trees. I'm capable of climbing trees. You just climb it's just going up it's the coming down part that's really hard <laughs> not really you just fall out well it's coming down safely that's really hard <laughs> the landing part that's a bit <laughs> <laughs> so my daddy used to say about flying he's like taking off is fine it's the landing that's the problem all right so that that's going to wrap it up for cursed clothing but i've enjoyed doing this research so much that we are definitely doing more of these like we have a whole bunch of these planned because there's too many like cursed objects. This is insane. You have to kind of break them down a bit. So I'm not going to tell you guys what's next. Right. Are you going to tell Cord and I? Duh. Oh, I mean, okay. the listeners. We're going to surprise oh. Surprise. It's cursed blank. Fill in the blanks. I have like three uh. more episodes planned. And we're going to do our third edition of the military hauntings. But I'm, I'm going to save that. All right, so our musical guest today is Bonnie and the Mere Mortals with their song, Curses. Hey-o! Yeah, I would call this um, Southern Gothic, but Appalachia. They're uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Really cool. I think you guys will love it. And then when we get back, we'll do our Spooky Squad news and shout-outs. 
beautiful sons of witches and something of something. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Getting better every time, James. Yep, know, right? It just gets mm. better and better. Nah. <laughs> Get better every time. I gotta like have a note card of the quotes, like the things I'm supposed to say. <laughs> I should have a note card right here. I don't. I don't. Uh, welcome oh. back, you guys. <laughs> Good job, dude. <laughs> you peeps. Um, what's our spooky squad news? If you want to join the squad, go over to Twitter, Instagram, follow us on there. You can follow us on Facebook. We have a YouTube channel. Please follow us on there because we actually have really great numbers on YouTube, except for our freaking like no one's following us. We need we need you guys to subscribe. Damn it. Just do it. Give us a like and subscribe. Yeah, right. Push that. Smash that button. Oh, all that crap. <laughs> um, Hit the bell for notifications. Uh, yeah, I don't even you don't even need to do that. It's fine. You don't have to do that part. Just just follow us. That's all I'm asking. We do have a Patreon. Patreon slash Mission Spooky. There's new stuff coming out on Apple and Spotify for different tier levels. We are looking into that it, as far as adding bonus episodes that would be you pay monthly through Spotify or Apple and you would get extra stuff from us. That way, instead of doing just Patreon, it makes it a little bit easier for you guys if you want to listen to the extra stuff, but you just want to click one button. I get it. So we are working on that. Like us on um, Podchaser. And rate and review us on Podchaser or on iTunes. Both of those things help us get noticed and we appreciate it very much. If you don't feel like giving us any money, that's great. At least give us a, a little shout out. That's all we need. As I said, I'm going to be adding all of our content from Pod of Holding into Mission Spooky. Those will have a little, a little icon that says Get Geeky with Kiki. And that will be all kinds of interviews and reviews going forward, including since we are starting officially our TTRPG Horde versus Cryptid stuff. Like I said, we have another one scheduled that will be out next month. Yeah, I, I'm just going to go ahead and, and do my geeky reviews of Candle Keep Mysteries and that we just they just dropped Ravenloft. I'll be running some of that. So if that's an interest to you, because there seems to be a lot of crossover in the community between paranormal and D&D. So I'm just like, hey, screw it. Let's put it on here. If you don't want to listen to it, you can just slide past it and listen to the next regular episode of Spookiness. And I just recorded a voiceover for a podcast that's going to be coming out really soon. It is actually our artist, Chris Stone. He's already been writing his own material and it's going to be horror based. So I'll be helping him out doing some voices for different characters. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I will be on Historical AF sometime next month. But I'll let you guys know when that drops because I haven't recorded that yet. But I'll be doing fairy tales. So I'm ex super excited about it. I keep want to talk about it. I'm like, it's going to be so cool. Anything you guys are doing that's exciting? When are you going to wrestle again, Cord? It's uh, questionable. They're starting, WXW starting live shows in two weeks. But they also are demolishing the training center. So we don't have a training center. So I have no idea. Dang it. Well, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. But say, as soon as you're back in the ring, we're going to be talking about that stuff, too. Yeah, we'll switch over to a wrestling podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's going to be individual segments called Keeping Up With Cord. Yeah. <laughs> I already have we're... it all figured out. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
just like uh, oh my gosh court court and i are gonna do uh separate segments on on plants what were we calling oh, that dude i mean what were you I, what were, you were calling oh, you called it something it was perfect god oh, damn it Gord. No. You well it's recorded it's recorded it's yeah. fine it's somewhere <laughs> i remember that conversation i don't remember. nope it's not coming to me sorry yeah me neither <laughs> i'm so- sorry but i did i did remember wait i have all these put no that's not right I have all kinds of notes on my computer. What does this say? Uncursify. Um, that came up recently again when I was listening to old old uh, podcasts. And then if it did happen, that's shitty. I think that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> also, the Society for Betterment of Goblins. I forgot that was supposed to be a t-shirt, too. I'm working on these things. Anyway, yeah, we'll we'll do that. Yes. This is why Kiki's going to take a four-week break. Holy Jesus. And and write all this stuff out and and start recording so we can get ahead. Cool. But we'll let you know when we go on a brief hiatus, which really will only be for you guys two episodes because I will be putting out the older pot of holding material, especially our horror movie reviews and stuff. So so yes. there'll be something for y'all to listen to on our feed, but it just won't be new stuff in, until maybe July. Yes. We'll see. Taking us out is going to be. Bonnie and the Mere Mortals from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with their song Curses. <laughs> Stay spooky and don't die, guys. But if you do, contact us. Via, and I think I've said this before, but if you could, write notes on $20 bills and send them to us. That would be wonderful. <laughs> Thanks. Oh. That's so old. We gotta come up with something different, man. No, I like that one, because hashtag money. Hashtag <laughs> money.